This is ContraZoom. Where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsno. And I'm Rachel Ho. On today's show, we are having Bill Antonio return, who was last heard on episode 157, Best Films Through the Decades. Bill is a host of the film podcast Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men, where he and his two co-hosts discuss a different gay-themed film every show. Bill also runs the website MyOldAddiction.com, where he posts a movie review every single day. You can read his work at places like That Shelf, where he has a monthly column called The Criterion Shelf, with the latest one looking at pre-code movies. I've been dying to have you back, Bill, so thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure, and thank you for still knowing how to pronounce my my last name. It never fails to amaze me. (laughs) (laughs) it's not that difficult i only had to listen to you pronounce it like five times in a row uh you'd be again i've said this before you'd be amazed how many people i've done like full coaching sessions like (laughs) full hours days seminars and uh still my my best friend of 30 years still says my name wrong so you know wow it's 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 a proud proud badge to wear (laughs) what's the most common mispronunciation of your surname um the Antonio? One, Antonio, yeah, or Antonio, which is fine okay. because in English we tend to put the stress on the middle syllable, so it makes sense. Yeah. But there are people who make up things. I'm like, those were, those letters aren't even in there. I don't know. Because <laughs> they panic and they're like, Antonui or, uh, yeah, Antonio. Like like, I've got trying to learn everything. French. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> I have a lot in common with Kim Basinger, and this is one of them. <laughs> That's my thing. And Rachel, it's so nice to actually speak to you. I think this I is our first time having a real-time conversation. An actual, an actual, not face-to-face, but an actual voice-to-voice conversation. Yes. You two are actually colleagues. Yes. And yes. Uh, you mentioned the pre-code um, co- uh, column that I just published, which uh, Rachel very generously contributed a, a, a number of reviews to. So, And I and had my first, the first time. I had my first like skip it films too, which was That's exciting. Right. I yeah. hadn't hadn't had one yet. That was the first one. And then I think you had two films that you picked. For I had a few. Well. Yeah, there were a few. Yeah. that I actually really enjoyed that collection. There were way more movies that I liked than disliked. Yeah, um, it's a good one. But there was a couple that uh, flat out put me to sleep. Although uh, <laughs> not the one that you gave a skip it to. I would have liked that movie a little. I would have given that one a little higher than you did. But Ugh, I was very bored throughout that whole thing. Yeah, early 30s movies are really hard for us to watch because it's before they'd really figured out the value of like a musical score and the pace of editing. There's not even editors credited back then because it was uh, just given the job was just given to um, the girls in the in the back room. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why so many um, prominent film film editors later on were women is because it was considered an unimportant job just given to uh, the underpaid ladies to do for a long time. And until so they it developed started the making money. Yeah. And then once money came in. <laughs> and until then... it became a valuable, like, artistic yeah. skill, at which point you had people who had, like, years of experience doing it, right? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, movies from the early sound days are very awkward, very awkwardly paced. And so they're really hard for us to watch, I find. I've been dying to, to get into this collection for anyone that isn't sort of familiar with pre-code, sort of stuff that's obviously an entire history's lesson worth of, of information sort of divulged, but it was when movies were sort of the Wild West. Do you have any mm. ones that are sort of like your, your favorites that are good starting points for people who like classic movies but maybe haven't really delved into the pre-code era? Mm. Oh, do I? Um <sighs> I'll go Murders in the Zoo for mine, just because oh, yeah. I thought it was so bonkers. And 
it's very it's crazy and it's funny to see as like a modern day audience like how little they cared about animals back then and like because these days people they're so careful about using animals in film yeah and that one very clearly there was just no one gave a shit and it's only like a little over an hour long as well because like what you said about pre-code being quite slow and the mm-hmm. pacing's not right there so that one's a good one just to start off with i think and it is also really well paced like there's there was a few mm-hmm. in that collection mm-hmm. where i was really impressed that there were directors who already had a command of um a kind of attention span that is more familiar to us today it's true yeah. that one is one of the freakier ones i've seen though like it opens with a man with his mouth sewn shut which yeah. is <laughs> oh my goodness actually made me gasp out loud and then the the murders are are quite gruesome. There's also a yeah. scene where they have like a fancy dinner um surrounded by animals in cages above them, nice. which how good does that smell is what I'd like to know because <laughs> yeah. they weren't behind and then, glass. And they're like lions and tigers yeah. and cougars and pumas like it it's in not cages like with bars. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, it's with crazy. With straw, which means oh. they're crapping in there, which means it smells bad. Like it's it's Nuts. like this is not a fancy dinner situation. No. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. The awesome. interesting thing, though, and I, this is not the subject I know we're here to talk about, but the interesting thing for me about pre-code movies is that it's not so much that the content itself is really overt as it is that the there's no moralizing like there would be later on once mm-hmm. the code mm-hmm. is put into effect. So, you know, you're not seeing like full nudity or sex or anything because that's that's just not where public morality was in terms of how we talked about these things. But there is there is like young women having premarital sex and not dying you know, which is not what would happen <laughs> later on. And I found that interesting. Like they're not guilty. These movies are not guilty. And that's what sort yeah. of marks them as pre-code for me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure to link to that article in the show notes so people can read thank that you. and hopefully explore some, some pre-code films for themselves. But uh, I want to thank you for the shout out on your, on your last BGM episode. And you're right. I do put up with far too much crap from you, Bill. You do. You do. <laughs> I am here to say that I'm a really mean person who sasses Dakota on a regular basis. And I'm here, much like many other people in the world today, I'm here to apologize for having maybe gone a bit too far in the past. <laughs> Yeah. If if I could share our DMs, it's it's just you constantly making fun of me. Yeah, I, I would just be canceled outright. I would just be canceled fully outright. It's all good because I sometimes give you the same amount of crap back. It's true. It's true. But you're not as smart as me, so it doesn't hurt as much. You're right. Yeah, and it takes me way too long to come up with a comeback. <laughs> oh well, it's definitely taking a sip of water at that point. <laughs> We uh, we are all here today, and I can't think of a, a single thing to even talk about. Rachel, Bill, did you guys get up to anything last night? Uh, no, everything was perfectly normal. There was nothing happening. Very normal. Yeah. yeah super, okay. super normal broadcast. Yeah. So this has been a great show. Thank you both for coming on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I don't even know where to begin with this show. Like... There, we're going to talk about obviously the one thing that needs to be talked about, but we're going to, I feel like we're going to neglect like the 10 other crazy things that happen and what might be the most bonkers live television event I've seen in maybe ever. Like, I can't think of something that was this crazy from start to finish. Did you at least enjoy the show? Um, well, I thought it was amazing that they cut out eight categories and the show still ran over time at three and a half plus hours. It's like, well, I guess that plan didn't work out. 
but they also just filled it with the most nonsensical stuff. Like the the fan awards, I thought those were hilarious. I love that Snyder kids found this <laughs> and just like voted. Like I think yeah. that is just such great. Like Pat Mullen, he said, um, he also writes for that shelf. But I responded to a tweet of his, and he was like, "It's poetic justice." And I'm like, "That's absolutely the way to describe mm-hmm. it." Is having like you want to try to pander down to I don't know this ridiculous fan vote. And the Snyder kids are absolutely going to troll you. Yeah they, yeah, they they tried to pander to Spider Man fans and ended up losing to the Snyder fans. They they didn't get they did not understand what the Snyder kids are capable of. But who else is going to vote for that stuff anyway? Except for it's like true. young people who care about that stuff. You know, Camilla Cabello like the whole, fans. But the pandering of the show was very weird to me. Like you have literally everyone under 25 being asked to present, even though they have nothing to do with the movies. Like Sean Mendes is there and I still don't even understand why. And then, but they, and then they, they add a performance of, we don't talk about Bruno, even though it's not nominated, but they do it at like 10 o'clock. So the kids aren't watching, or at least on the East coast, the kids aren't watching. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the whole thing was, I found myself just baffled and I was like, you know what? I'm just here to see who wins. Let's just have a nice, quiet, pleasant evening. And then and then we didn't. <laughs> and then chaos ensued. And then chaos ensued. All right. Uh, I, get, I, I feel we need to talk about this right from the get-go. We can get it out of the way. Uh, as much as I loathe him, it's going to give fodder for the next, I don't know how many years. This well, is I thought of you gonna... immediately. Because I was like, this is, this is, this is Dakota's like fantasy coming true because he, he was like this, this shouldn't even be winning. Cause it's just a, it's just a, um, uh, a, a, an ad campaign in the form of an, a, an acting Oscar. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, we have the chaos that erupts <laughs> at the same time, you know, it's just, and I also yeah. thought, Jesus, like the one time I have, I've been asked to be on a post Oscar show to talk about and this happens like now i have to talk about this like <laughs> it, anyway i i have a big confession to make uh i don't have cable so i was watching some sketchy streams and mm. my stream cut out right when chris rock came on and so i was all oh, furious no. and trying to figure out what was going on and then it wasn't oh. until about half an hour later or something like that when someone made a joke about it and i was like what did i miss and then i'm in a, a in a movie group chat and they sent the unedited clip, and I was like, what did I miss? It was insanity. So <laughs> if you're listening to this, you know what happened. But for those of you who are somehow listening to this and don't know, Chris Rock on came Mars, on stage, yeah. uh, yeah. made a couple jokes at different people, said Jada Pinkett Smith looked like G.I. Jane, a very innoxious joke overall, which yeah, and I for a show like that was, was trying compliment. to – yeah, for a show that was trying to pander to young kids, like good. Thanks for choosing the movie from 1997, right? Yeah, Demi well. Moore's like been, that, been really last landed. relevant yeah. when. Yeah, yeah. And then Will Smith laughs at it, and then he sees that his wife is pissed, so he gets up on stage, slaps Chris Rock. Chris Rock yeah. barely flinches, tries yeah. to move on, and then Will Smith is saying, uh, "Get my wife's name out of your effing mouth!" over and over again. Yeah. And it was just at which like, point that's when we hell? realized it wasn't a joke because like I was I thought yes. the whole thing was staged until that was happening. And then my friend because I'm, you know, like tweeting while watching and it, it always has only 75 percent of my attention. And then my friend turns to me. She's like, this isn't a joke. This is like really happening like the there's because I watched it in silence. I was watching the muted broadcast. I've been sent to the unedited version. I don't want to watch it. I found the whole thing really unpleasant. It made me very mm-hmm. unhappy. So, so yeah, it was it was quite the thing. 
I also just want to add that the joke had a bit of a layer to it in that Jada yes. Pinkett Smith is the reason she is looks like GI Jane and has a shaved head is because she has alopecia. Um, something that I think she's talked about pretty openly. Yeah. Um, I try not to follow too much about what the Smiths do, but God help me. They make it difficult to, to avoid them. Yeah. And uh, they have a history with Chris Rock as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I think, was it back in 2016 Oscars? I think he made some jokes about Jada Pinkett Smith yeah. again about like her, I don't know, whatever. We don't need to rehash that, but um I don't know. The point I just wanted to bring that up because it's not like it was just some random joke yeah. and then Will Smith lost his shit. I mean, he clearly lost his shit and he saw red and just did something really, really dumb. But both of them, I, in my opinion, are pretty at fault for some stupid nonsense. Well, and it helps that I've never been a huge fan of either of them. Into Same. Like, it's yeah. not like I'm going to watch his movies with a critical eye now or something. I'm, I was <laughs> never that devoted to either of them. I hate one of the things I hate about things like this happening is that they get overexamined to death after the fact. And I hate doing that because mm-hmm. when you pick these things apart, whether it's like a questionable joke in whatever taste or an incident like this, it's like no good ever comes out of pouring over it. Like it was a spontaneous moment in the moment. And then now we're like picking it apart and it only stress comes out of that. But at the same time, one thing I will say is like, imagine if, that joke was made. They were unhappy. You cut to them not laughing. They don't do anything. And then when Will Smith wins, as we know he's going to, he gives the same speech about learning to be a protector and what it's like mm. to be a celebrity being made fun of and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And just imagine the possibility that he might be on much higher ground at Absolutely. that point to respond to it in that way because he gave Chris Rock all the power by doing what he did. And it's like, yeah, he said, I'm not crying because I won an award. It's like, no, you're crying because you ruined your own night for yourself because this is your crowning achievement that you have been waiting for for a thousand years that you have been gunning for for the last few months. And now no one's celebrating the fact that you won because they're only talking about the dumbass thing that you did an hour before. And you did that to yourself. It's, It's bratty of him to be sitting in a room full of hundreds of people who are all, you know, overpaid and we're paying too much attention to them and blah, blah, blah. They're all there to win awards. And it's so bratty of him to be like in this emotionally impulsive moment to say, this is entirely about me. This entire room is about me and to make everyone so uncomfortable. I find his response interesting. Cause even if like, okay, you're right. He could have just not done the thing that he did. He didn't need to do a bitch slap, but he did. Um, <laughs> Even after that, though, I was kind of surprised that he didn't try to use his speech to make him be the bigger man in that situation. Like he, even after you do something like that, you can't take it away. You could still have used your speech to maybe lessen the any backlash that you were going to receive later. I know he apologized to the Academy. Mm-hmm. He apologized to his fellow nominees, but he could have said something, not even, I, I don't even necessarily think he had to apologize to rock, but he could have just said something about like how his actions were not right. You yeah. know, like this man disrespected his wife and he's protecting his family, but there was a better way for him to express that or to resolve this issue with Chris rock, someone who he does know, like, it's not like they're strangers to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it's clear his reaction was completely disproportionate. No, I I understand. You know, I brought up the whole. You know, Jada has alopecia, and mm-hmm. you know that's not something to. It is a very low punch for Chris Rock, but that is also Chris Rock's comedy. If like if you're ever 
at any point interested in it, but like yeah. it, it's very disproportionate regardless. For sure, because it's not even about whether or not the joke was in good taste. You still mm-hmm. have the option as to how to react to it, and yep. that still reflects on you, regardless of whether or not he actually deserves. And for all we know, he Chris Rock deserves to be bitch slapped. I don't know, but that didn't really matter to me. <laughs> no, not in that moment. I mean, like he, you got to kind of, and I, I mean, Dakota, you kind of mentioned it um, a bit there, but it's like it was weird that in one moment he was laughing, and then I think he saw Jada wasn't happy, and then he yeah. kind of went from zero to a hundred and he addressed that sort of in his speech saying like uh, i'm gonna paraphrase here but that he's he said a protector of all lines. women yeah, yeah. Uh, but not yeah. it wasn't even that he said you know like in this industry we're expected to sit back and yeah. smile and laugh when we're being disrespected i yeah. think that's like something along those lines he said that so he kind of tried to cover that i think a little bit but it did look odd that but you're also in it you've also been in this that. industry long enough to know that there are the right ways to deal with yep. being disrespected because you have a whole team of publicists and managers who've had the worst night of their life you know yeah. <laughs> deal, dealing with this you know like you do know better but I, I think we're also asking for a level of um uh common sense from somebody who doesn't live a normal life you know like he's a multi-multi-millionaire he's been surrounded by yes men for decades he's been a huge movie star like i don't expect him to have the same perspective on these things as I do, given that he lives a very abnormal life. So, you know, I find that to be one of the more disturbing bits about it is the fact that after that happened, I'm like, I know people were like, Oh, call the cops, which is ridiculous, but like (laughs) not even a security guard popped up. Like nothing happened afterwards. He, he just like the show continued on. He accepted his award. What? 15, 20 minutes later, an hour later, he's partying at a vanity fair, like dancing with his award to get in jiggy with it. It's like, Nothing happened to him. And I find that really disturbing in terms of, yeah. I saw this, like I saw someone use this term on Twitter being like, he's frictionless. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that's such a great way to describe it. Like nothing touches this guy. And that is yeah. worrying. I there think. was Incredibly a reporter worrying. who tweeted that, that the show organizers were considering whether or not they had to ask him to leave. I'm so sure maybe that, that happened. Anybody else, anybody yeah. Anybody like if you and I went on stage and did something like that, we yeah. would have been like tackled to the ground <laughs> and asked and and forcibly removed, and rightly so. Like you don't, that's not you don't. You're on live television. You just assaulted somebody. Yeah. Live television or not, like if you're you're in a bar and you get a fu- in a fight, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. told to leave. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like that's just that's just kind of how it goes. And the fact that will like literally nothing happened that kind of surprised me. Like mm-hmm. not e- literally not even a security guard. Like the top of their head popped up in the in the camera. Nothing happened. Well, Rachel, if you ever bitch let me on live TV, I promise you, I <laughs> will. I will accept the possibility that I had it coming. I think it'd be cool. I mean, the fact that like we're on live TV—that's got to be worth something. That'd be pretty interesting. Do <laughs> like, we know what got us there? I couldn't figure out. Do we know why during his speech when he won, they kept cutting to the Oscars logo? What What was he doing on camera? I don't, I don't know. Show? That was, that was so a weird. good question. I wasn't sure if it was purposeful because it was him or if there was a tech issue because they seemed to be like trying to get the camera pan to the Williams sisters. But they got it to them. Seen... And then it was every time it cut back to him that it, it was would go weird. to the logo. So, so I'm like, I is he holding know. up a brand or something that he's not supposed to be <laughs> showing? I have no idea what that it I think, was. A I very... think it was just purely technical difficulties. Like, but it's weird that it just happened that. to him. It literally didn't yeah. happen the entire broadcast. I meant to it look it up later his. and I, I forgot. But anyway. Because that would have been the most noteworthy thing if everything else didn't happen otherwise. (laughs) 
And the, the, in the content of his speech, it was just so long and cringy. And then this like weird thing of how he needs to protect every woman. And even though yeah. it's only directed towards one woman, what, what is the fact that his co-stars and the Williams sisters have anything to do with him protecting women have to do with this? I, I don't know. But again, uh, again, like what is his level of everyday reality? You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, Combined I, with Scientology, don't forget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like you were saying, Bill. I, I really don't want to microanalyze this because we're we're just going to end up going in circles of what ridiculousness this was. And like, I've already seen some videos where it's like they break it down frame by frame, and oh, it's like God. this, this, this is this is getting too far already. Uh, well, I, it does was, feel like there's nothing else to talk about. That's the problem, and it also doesn't help that there were no like exciting upsets in the winners. Like everything was a pretty boring yeah. choice. So it's like, God, this is, he. He brought a little fire into the room. Um, no, I was just going to say, like, the Academy was really trying hard in this broadcast to get a viral clip going. Like, they yeah. did everything they possibly could yeah. to attract a younger audience, to attract discussion beyond the show. Yeah. They just wanted something to be talked about today, <laughs> tomorrow, the next day after. I don't, I like, and in a way, I kind of enjoy that something like this happened because this is far more than they ever bargained for yeah but it is funny that like that's what they wanted and they did get it it's just not maybe the way they wanted it yeah you feel bad for that uh pa who thought up like let's put a puppy on stage with jamie lee curtis <laughs> like this will do it it's like well they're not having a yeah. good day today uh, yeah uh, but you were talking about no real upsets and maybe, maybe it was me sort of denying the fact of it, but I, I want to talk about the fact that Coda won best picture. I know in the last few weeks, the momentum had really shifted towards Coda where they were winning a lot of the awards after the first half of the award season was all power of the dog. Coda did end up winning best picture as, as we know by now, I'm still sort of surprised that it came through. I was, I was just sort of thinking, you know, wow, it had a good final few weeks, but I really don't think, you know, voting has been open for a while. I don't think momentum would have shifted that much, but clearly it did that the voters went for, I think a few things are at play. Voters prefer a easygoing movie with a happy ending like Coda has. Mm -hmm. And also, I think we also have to address the fact that it was a Netflix movie that lost yet again. And the Academy really doesn't like Netflix. Do you think that (laughs) Power of the Dog being a Netflix movie maybe have hindered its chances? Well, I think that actually what I've been told by people in the industry, I know some people, and um, I have been told over the last few years, a Netflix movie won't win just because many of the voters are studio employees. So they're not going to mm-hmm. vote for a streaming service. So I would have actually thought that um, Apple had just as low a chance. And I'm sure Netflix is actually fuming about the fact that the first movie that finally wins from a streaming service <laughs> is not them. I think not that Netflix, not Amazon, but Apple. Yeah, so it could be that they don't like Netflix, but I think that I think that they've been sort of anti they've been trying their best to be as anti-streaming as possible for the last few years and uh you know, they just eventually have to give in to the way things are. Mhm. Were you surprised the fact that Coda did end up pulling out the win or did you just sort of see that was the inevitable conclusion? Not by the, the end of the night. Going? I figured if it won best adapted screenplay, that made it so much more likely that it would win because it won all three categories that it was nominated in, which is, you mm-hmm. know, um, so once that happened and then, you know, Troy winning and I, I don't know, it just, uh, it seemed to. It seemed inevitable to me by the end of the evening, but I wouldn't have called it for sure. And my ballot, my guest ballot had the power of the dog for best picture. So I still thought that that was going to happen. I'm just going to flex that. I definitely predicted Coda and yeah. um, I was very happy that that one. So I, yeah, I, my, my thinking was just, 
not so much, I guess, like the business side of it in terms of Netflix, Apple, that kind of thing. It was more of just, or even momentum. It was just kind of like, it felt like a movie that people want to see right, like literally right in this moment. Um, with everything that's going on, it's like people just want something happy, something nice, something light, I think, to watch. Not to Especially after the night they had. Coda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And so I I just feel like it was a movie that was very easy for everybody to get behind. Like it didn't matter who you were, what demographic you belonged in. Coda's an easy movie to get behind and root for and the people who are a part of it like to root for like Tro- Troy Kotzer was a very easy person to say you want him to win and yeah. and you want that whole cast to win and you want you know I I don't think I think after for me it was after they won the SAG best ensemble that was when I kind of thought I was like oh I think they might win best picture not because there's a direct correlation but it just seems to me that when you have a feel-good story like this it often plays kind of div- and it's just we're in a weird time right now where things are very dark and dreary and mm-hmm. something like that which is it does feel like a disney movie like it coda really feels like a disney movie that you would have got like a family disney movie in the 90s and i say that not in a disrespectful way it's just like it's a nice movie it's a feel good yeah. movie it feels like and- the best picture winner of 1942 which is something <laughs> yeah. i'm in the mood for uh yeah. from yeah. time to time that's what it yeah. felt like to me it's also it happens often with these kinds of um, with sometimes with awards or like, you know, top 10 movies of all time lists where it's like the thing that makes it to the top, isn't what everyone thinks is the best. It's what everyone can agree. They like, so mm-hmm. not everyone's desert Island movie is citizen Kane, but everyone agrees that it's a good movie. And so that's how it ends up at the top of a, you know, best movies of all time list. And I think that this might've also happened this year, which is that like everyone, uh, not everyone loved The Power of the Dog or West Side Story or Dune, but everyone could agree that they enjoyed Coda. And so that mm-hmm. just helped it get to the top. As I say, it's something to be said about the fact that like you come away from that movie feeling good. Yeah, I don't know if you come away from the other movies necessarily feeling good. You might be like in a deep thought about something yeah. or you might be excited about part two of Dune, but like you're not going to come away like actually just feeling happy. And I yeah. think that that's what Coda did. I feel that this being a best picture being a preferential ballot helped Coda the most because as you were mm-hmm. saying, Bill, I can imagine, you know, Coda being the number two, three, four on on basically everyone's ballot. And and you sort of look at a preferential ballot of if you're with a group of friends and you're trying to decide which movie you want to go see and you all and none of you can agree on, well, okay, what's mm. your second choice? Okay, what's your third choice? Okay, so we're all agree that Coda's a fine movie. We're all willing to go see that movie. We've all been there where it's like you're trying to go with your family or whatever, and you all have different tastes, and Coda is what you end up seeing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only absolutely. thing that I find incorrect about it winning is that, you know, I never expect my favorite movie to win because that's just a personal taste thing, and I don't expect 3,000 voters to have my personal taste. But it always <laughs> seems appropriate to me when the movie that represents the year wins, like the year in mm. movies, so that even though I don't, you know, the Titanic's not my favorite movie, but like, what else did anyone talk about that year? Like, that mm-hmm. movie is 1997. And the year that Moonlight won, like, I remember when it played, it came out at TIFF, and like, no one could stop talking about that movie for months, and it wasn't everyone's favorite movie. I loved it, but it wasn't my favorite movie of the year. But that movie represents that year to me, because it was... Um, a meeting ground of like critical consensus and audience um, uh, rapture and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. While as Coda, 
like it won the grand jury prize at Sundance. I don't remember hearing anything about that. I don't remember buzz about it of any kind. I don't remember even knowing about it until a few months ago when it was on my list of, you know, movies being considered for awards attention this season. And I watched it and I thought it was lovely. But even up until like last week, I didn't even feel that anyone was talking about it. While as the noise around Power of the Dog, whether you liked it or not, has been baffled. Like it's just been insane since the movie played Mm -hmm. where everyone was excited about it at TIFF and then it won all the critics awards. And like, to me, that movie still represents this year, even though it didn't win. So I'm, I'm sort of curious about where, how history will remember this best picture winner. You know, it's not on the level of something like crash or green book where it was just like, wow, they instantly made the wrong choice. And this is going to age very terribly starting from today. And it's not going to be something like Parasite or Moonlight where it was like, wow, the Oscar got it right or or however your feelings are on those movies. I sort of feel like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, it'll be like, oh, yeah, remember that time that that movie about the deaf family won the best picture? Did did anyone ever see that movie? Like, I think this is just going to end up being a forgotten middle of the road Oscar winner, best picture winner. Am, am Am I on the right track? Do you feel similarly? I think that sounds right. Yeah. I'd agree with that. But I would also say I think the majority of Best Picture winners do become forgotten films. Like it's not I think you can the reason you can name the ones that people remember is because there's not that many of them. Like <laughs> Titanic is a good one, but like you know, there's just you will remember more um the ones that are actually are remembered, memorable I should say. Um, because a lot of them we just don't remember. I, I literally just now had to take a second to remember what won last year. Rachel, as a as an Oscar trivia nerd, I take complete umbrage of this <laughs> commentary, and I, I divorce myself completely from this uh, conversation. <laughs> we we are quite different in that regards, Bill, in the sense of like you and I, we love the Oscars, we love the, the trivia and the history mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, you, you think of the average moviegoer, the average not even regular moviegoer, the person that watches you know two new movies a year sort of thing, where where is this going to land down the line, sort of thing? So that oh, is for sure. I mean, thing to sort of think about. Chris Rock did this so beautifully when he hosted the Oscars like 15 years ago, and he went to movie theaters asking people what their favorite movie of the year was, and everyone said like Alien versus Predator. But you know, it's <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah, it's not a very populist occasion. I mean, that's the disconnect that the Oscars have been trying to bridge for yeah. a little while now, which henceforth the fan voted awards which did not work out well so you know it's it's funny watching them Mm -hmm. kind of like tread water in that sense the genie awards used to have that back before the canadian screen awards were the genie awards Mm -hmm. um they used to have like a box office award each year for like the highest rated like the highest grossing canadian film of the year and it was also pretty amazing to see like an Adam McGoyan movie win the best picture award, but then like air bud three would win the, <laughs> the popcorn award or whatever they called it. It's like, yeah, that's what I immediately thought of when the Academy suggested the possibility of a popular film award. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about what we thought of the, the ceremony overall, as far as the structure, it was very different from last year where mm-hmm. they removed the clips. It was, it was an awkward stilted, no host sort of thing here this year. We got three hosts with, uh, with Wanda Sykes, Regina King and um, sorry, Regina, Regina, yeah, Regina Hall, King, Regina Hall. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. I was confused. There, the Regina Hall does. and uh, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer yeah. What did you think of them? I sort of felt that it was 
they were trying to go a very Golden Globes-like route, you know, the very infamous Ricky Gervais years or the Amy Poehler, Tina Fey years, where it's just, let's just sort of lob jokes at everyone. Mm-hmm. That was the sort of feeling I got from it. And it was trying to be edgy, but also we can't be too edgy here because it's the Oscars. And that's how yeah. you lead to a really bland G.I. Jane joke being the highlight of the night. <laughs> Did you like them? How did, did did it work out for you? What did you think, Bill? Oh, I was going to let Rachel go first because I keep talking too much. Um, and <laughs> You're she's the gonna, guest, she, Bill. You're she's going to stop contributing to my column because she's like, he doesn't let women speak. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, no, please, Bill, go ahead. Thank you. Um, no, I thought they were fine. I thought we had we had too many hosts basically given that like they're trying to make the show shorter uh, with all the things they're doing. And it's like, we don't have time for all three of these to really like do their thing. Although they all made me laugh. Like Regina Hall. I mean, Timothy Chalamet showed up at the ceremony simply to just get up on that stage and be um, a gift basket for a second and then walk <laughs> off stage. Like that's all he was there for in his, and, and forgot to wear a shirt. Um, but I thought that joke was really funny. Her like calling people up on the stage or, um, I mean, Amy Schumer really won the night for me when she was like, did anything happen while I was gone? Like that, that was, was excellent. The timing excellent of it. Joke, yeah. And that's the kind of joke that she excels at really, because I often find that a lot of the things she says aren't funny, but it's the way she says them that makes her so, so great. Um, Wanda, I felt was struggling the most of the three of them. She was the one whose stuff didn't come off quite as effortlessly as the other two, but they were fine. I enjoyed them. It's just that like, uh, they were hard. I felt like they were hardly on the show given that they, you mm-hmm. know, they wanted to move things along and they didn't want to make it all about the hosts, but, but they, you know, they were, they were fun. It was certainly anything, anything would be better than last year. Last year was the worst Oscar telecast I've ever seen in my entire life. The writing was bad. Everything was awkward about it. It was so, it was so, and it looked awful. It was hosted in what looked like a train station bathroom. Like it was just <laughs> hideous. So, you know, what about you, Rachel? Uh, I like the hosts. Actually, I thought they worked well together. I will agree with Bill. Like, I think Wanda Sykes is definitely probably the weak link um, of the three of them. Like, you could have just had Regina Hall and Amy Schumer, and I think you would have had a pretty good show. Like, Amy Schumer, she is a stand-up, regardless of, you know, the mm-hmm. quality of her work that you think she has. Um, that is her natural element, is to be just up there with a the mic on her own, just tossing jokes out and regina hall i really love regina hall i've seen her present other things in the past and she's always so charming and charismatic and funny and like but without being mean about it almost and so she's she's great and yeah wanda's i don't know i've never been a huge fan of hers either so but amy schumer i'm not a huge fan of either and i think she did a good job but it was weird like you just didn't see them Mm -hmm. on screen like that was kind of the odd thing was the three of them came in did their little spiel and then Schumer got her couple minutes or however long. And then, yeah, Regina Hall got to do the the COVID thing, which I thought was funny. I did enjoy that. Although when she th- started feeling up Roland and Momoa, that was a bit, I was like, oh, we're going, we're going really far with this. That's interesting. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I did think it was funny that they really wanted to include the museum stuff, but yep. oh I guess God. they didn't, they ad. didn't, yeah, so bad. Like, And it's like they didn't want to be accused of, hey, we're going to take eight categories out of the live broadcast and we're just going to shove them in as pre-recorded clips. But we still want to show our museum. So let's have Wanda Sykes go in and make it a skit instead. But it just comes off as forced and just 
awkward. Like it's weird. Yeah, they have. But a- overall, overall, I did. I actually didn't mind the three of them as the hosts. Um, I I thought they were good. Like I thought they were absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, bring them back next year. I won't complain. Yeah, yeah. I, I would see them again. It's one of those things where if I, I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself a lot here today. Uh, if if what happened didn't happen, and and we we're just looking at the rest of the show as a whole, people would, today would be like, oh yeah, I don't know, the hosts were like a B. They were fine. Like, there's usually worse hosts. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, you know, Billy Crystal at his height or something like that, or you know, Bob Hope, depending on if you're as old as Bill or not. Um, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're cruising for a bruising, my friend. I'm, I'm thinking okay, of a good Will. one for you. Just keep talking. Okay. Keep repeating yeah. yourself because your listeners are used to that anyway. <laughs> oh wow. Okay there. Uh, I, I think, I think if, if it was just a regular ceremony, people will have walked away being like the hosts were fine. I'm sure people would complain about Amy Schumer because people com- always complain about Amy Schumer, yeah. Schumer regardless what yeah. happened. But I agree. I thought she was fine. And you know, her, her joke about what, what did I miss? The, the sort of seat filler thing at the very end, I thought was a little funny. It went on yeah. maybe a, a hair too long, yeah. but it was still funny. Nonetheless, I would have loved to see a reaction from Kirsten Dunst, which we didn't get. Yeah. Um, um, it was like, who was filming this? Did the, did the camera not know to pan over? Like, I don't know what was happening there, but overall, yeah, there was, it was, it was a pretty decent hosted event. Yeah. The only fail with them for me was when they did their dress up thing, just because I felt like that was a lot of effort for something that wasn't all that hilarious. You know, like when they all came out dressed as, yeah, uh, you know, she was dressed as King Richard and, and Tammy Faye yeah. and Amy Schumer descends in a harness as Spider-Man. And I was like, you know that that required a great deal of um, effort to pull all that off, and it did, it wasn't funny enough to merit the the energy they spent on it. I also think that the that like literally the last bit that Amy Schumer did with the Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst that you were talking about, Dakota, was like obviously that was planned ahead of time, but the fact that it had to do with like that's my wife, and then given everything that had just happened. I was like, this yeah. is really funny. I was yeah. like, if I kind of want Jesse Plemons to say something, to like just you know, it, like do something. Oh, if with someone's going to do happened. the slapping in that couple, it's going to be Kristen. She might have been doing that, yeah. and that's why the camera wasn't cutting. Yeah, because we're like, we don't like, need that, another one of these. It's just so funny, like the coincidence of a planned joke yeah. that that was meant to be planned, and then it really, the timing was odd. Oh, <laughs> the timing yeah. was very odd. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Bill, it's so funny, you know, I was trying to plan out this episode ahead of time, thinking about <laughs> what we might talk about and how much I enjoyed your preview episode where you basically spent the whole time talking about who you thought was hot and who wasn't hot. I was very excited to get your thoughts on some of the looks and the red carpet stuff, but like, Ooh. is that even worth mentioning now? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, first of all, all I do in my daily life is talk about who's hot and who's not. And if you're not, <laughs> you might as well be dead as far as I'm concerned. People have no value to me otherwise. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought there were a lot of nice looks. I thought, um, I, I actually really admired the ballsiness of little Timmy C to show up with his, like, just about to go to rehab look, you know, just like with the jacket, no shirt underneath. <laughs> um, good. it was good look. Solid. It was, except that when he turned around the jacket, it's like a bolero jacket. It was cut very short and you could see the, his bare back from behind. And I thought that I didn't like that. Cause it looked like it was, um, a bad fit or something. I would have mm. liked it if it was a bit different, but the thing I love about Timothy Chalamet is that when you are built the way he is built, that's a fashion opportunity because everything just hangs off of you. And I appreciate that he never wastes the opportunity that his physique has given him. Um, 
But um, yeah, I don't know who else was memorable. I thought Nicole Kidman looked lovely. Um, I don't know why Penelope Cruz had that bow, like that Simpsons bow on the front of her dress. And Amy Schumer looked like a Hallmark movie when she came out in that awful, <laughs> awful dress at the beginning. But nothing too much else uh, made that deep an impression that I'm recalling right now. I don't know. I'll say I thought Lupita Nyong'o looked absolutely oh, beautiful in her gold dress gorgeous. and matching glasses. And I thought that was shield gorgeous. Poor thing had to be in shot while Will Smith was tearing the place down. And Lupita's like, like her father's a diplomat or something. Like she's a yeah. rich girl from a political family. So making a scene to her is like the greatest crime anyone could commit. So she is keeping it together. Like, you know, she had a nanny as a child who smacked her face or something or her hands every time she made the wrong reaction to something. She just looks like someone who's just like keeping it together with everything she's got. She's, mm-hmm. I, she's, she's might. I was thinking maybe it would have been better to have somebody else like, like a Tiffany Haddish or something in the background because yeah. she would have been very expressive yes. in that, that moment. But having Lupita was great because she is so graceful yeah. and so dignified, yeah. like you said. So she's just kind of back there and yeah. it's like keeping her shit together but yeah but i thought she looked gorgeous she yeah. was she was beautiful and i thought i liked zendaya's outfit too she didn't really do yeah. anything and other than have the camera pan to her a few times but she looked great she maybe was she great. was supposed to be rachel ziegler's uh spot because i oh, thought it was yeah. interesting that she wasn't coming to the show and then now she's presenting and she's got uh, lines like was was jacob Elordi supposed to present alone before that or did she take someone's spot and why did they pair her oh, with someone true. who is eight feet taller than her <laughs> yeah i i wonder that too where she got invited so last minute it's like they clearly had to kick someone out because uh, unless i'm mistaken the oscars don't decide who the presenters are like a week before i'm no. sure the negotiations take months to do yeah and also uh, i don't even know like how real is that whole situation like why would she go public with that news to begin with about not being invited like did someone did she reach out to someone privately or like something through her pr people that she was not happy with and that's why she decided you know to take it to the unwashed masses of twitter like it's just a very interesting because i would i would think that a pr team would strongly advise against her doing that so i i find it i find that whole situation very mysterious but then you know my my brain got wiped by will smith so i completely (laughs) forgot about it to my understanding, she somebody must have called. I think someone commented on her Instagram, like, okay. "Oh, can't wait to see you" or something like at the Oscars, and then she responded to that, being like, "No, I'm not going. Like, I wasn't invited or yeah. whatever." She wasn't like being too bratty about it, but I have seen some people being very like, "That's weird that you would even say you could just say, oh no, I'm not going.'" Like, well, yeah, I don't think it's bratty at all. It's stop. just like, like it's a it's a tactical move, right? And it's yeah, like, why are you making yeah. this tactical move? Like, why are you? you're basically throwing these people under the bus and maybe they deserve it. I don't know, but like it's going to create a thing. So you're, you know, you have to know what you're doing when you're creating a thing by doing that instead of saying something like, Oh, I'm filming that day or something. Yeah. I can't make it. So Mm -hmm. it's all, I have questions about that whole, that whole situation. I do think it was weird that she wasn't invited considering she is the lead in a movie that was nominated when you had Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet both there. Yeah, because the cast of a Best Picture nominee is usually there. So Yeah, yeah. and so that that was weird. But she was, to my understanding, she's filming in London at the moment Mm. um, for Snow White. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure. Um, 
it was a, it was a weird thing overall, and it, people are getting really conspiratorial about it. <laughs> yeah, um, much like this Will Smith thing, where like the more you delve into it, the dumber it all gets. It literally could boil down to the fact that someone was given a list of names to send a particular package to, and they accidentally left one off the list. Like this, literally could be all it was. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be funny. So, I, I would enjoy know. that. Yeah. Um, other outfits I really liked is I loved Cody Smith McVie's you know, light blue suit. I thought he looked great and he was wearing some, some nice jewels to Ariana DeBose with like this red pantsuit cape combo sort of thing. I really, I really dug that. Except it looked Um, uncomfortable. I kept waiting for her to pull it up. I didn't realize that it was supposed (laughs) to be down there. And I was like, Oh, is she lowering the cape to show off the outfit? But then it never came up. There was a lot of inner breast on display last night. There was a lot of unsheathed boobs. And I was like, what is, how warm is it? I wrote to uh, the great director, Jim fall. And I said, how hot is it in LA right now? And he said, it's like (laughs) 62 Fahrenheit. I'm like, that's not like tits out weather. That's just not what that is. Like they, it all made me cold. Timmy Chalamet made me cold. They all made me feel chilly. Uh, double-sided tape was really doing everybody everyone's work yesterday <laughs> yeah, it was, that, oh i mean i was wait tracy ellis ross was like a hair's oh, breadth away yes. from <laughs> yes. something bad happening she looked yeah. gorgeous too though, i will say she she looked she looked really beautiful i you know whose suit looked really or tux looked really good um but it, it is been, and the only reason i caught it was because i've seen many replays of his moment is chris rock he actually had a really nice like yes. navy velvet blazer on it looked great and i only noticed it because i was like Oh yeah! After you get slapped, you look nice. <laughs> like that's a nice outfit. He really, does. really well put together. He might be the only person who has more money than Will Smith, though, so he can afford mm, some good tailoring. Um, he he looked nice, and I do love when men can rock like a, a popped out col- co- um, color yeah. on a suit. I actually didn't love Cody Smith McPhee's. I thought that that col- that color kind of washed him out. He's too pale for a that whatever that pale blue was i, I think don't he, don't even know what he wore he wore like a it was a fully um like a robin's egg blue maybe lighter than that um ice blue kind of uh suit and for me the shade was a bit off i loved um simu Liu's, even though i said he looked like he was sponsored by rogers but i loved his <laughs> uh bright red suit i thought it was a beautiful color and it was such a nice um accent on the background of that he was standing up against too so I do love at first um, I only saw his jacket and I was right. like, is he just wearing a valet's outfit? But then when I saw the <laughs> full look, I was like, okay, it works. Yeah, no, it was very nice on him. Mm-hmm. Cause he has like the, the had the crop pants and the the shoes with no socks yeah. look going. And so I think I think he pulled it off and it was it was a good look. Yeah. Overall. And Daniel Kaluuya was wearing a really nice color, but his suit was yeah. very badly tailored. It looked very awkward. I on agree. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't understand why because I Yeah, uh, he he looked um dumpy or something i don't know and i had never thought of him that way before so that that surprised me maybe he gained some weight maybe he like filled out a little bit before maybe but <laughs> tailoring is fitting. tailoring good tailoring c- can deal with any body shape type or whatever so i don't know what uh what about uh kristen stewart wearing shorts and also kind of an open shirt look like chalamet she gets my fashions police thumbs down. I really want to be there for people who don't want to do the typical thing. You don't have to wear a gown. You don't have to do what people think, quote unquote, you know, what people think women should do at award shows. And, you know, you want to maybe be a little less overly formal. That's fine. But that, that was too casual. It looked like she just threw it on and ran to the show. I know that that's her vibe anyway, but I don't know. And it also made me <laughs> feel cold for her as well. Those shorts were too short. 
<laughs> the sort of uh, I, I just rolled out of bed drunk look. Well, and especially and, with uh, flat shoes because that makes it super casual. While as if she was where if she was the type of person to rock like a really fancy stiletto heel, it could be very punk rock. Like Samantha Morton did it, and she got a lot of flack for wearing a Sid Vicious T-shirt the night she was nominated the first time. But she wore it with like a beautiful jacket and and pants and great shoes, and it still looked formal. It was just very it was a very cool chick formal. While as Kristen, I don't know, she looked like she didn't care, and that and that's her right. I just I wasn't impressed. <laughs> My only thoughts on Kristen Stewart is that I was disappointed she didn't win. That's interesting. I didn't. I didn't love that performance that much. I didn't even care about her. I didn't even feel like she needed to be nominated for it, even though I don't. Really? I, okay. Yeah, and I don't have anything bad to say about it either. It's just I. I, I would have knocked her out to get uh, Lady Gaga in there. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There. There's the chaos. <laughs> That's my bitch slap moment. I would have knocked out <laughs> Olivia <laughs> Coleman as well. No argument for me there. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about some of the other winners. Were there any that you were especially happy about winning or shocked or anything like that, that, that really stood out for you? Uh, Bill, we'll start with you. Um, I know that drive my car was a lock on international foreign film, but I also thought, you know, because the worst person in the world had a lot of support and is a really great movie that also deserved to win. I was just worried that it would win because then drive my car was certainly not going to win anything else. So I was happy to I was happy to see that um, get in there because you know that was my favorite movie of the year and and um, and Japan's only won once before in a competitive uh, since the that category became competitive and I hated the film that won the last time so I was very happy about that as well because I love Japanese cinema. You weren't a fan of Departures. No, that's a very um, that's a very mom movie. That's a that's a kind of feel good movie that the Academy would choose. Like if it was in English, it would have won Best Picture alongside Coda and and uh, Green Book. Yeah. Well, I I agree with you as far as Drive My Car winning. I would have been fine with with either Drive My Car or Worst Person in the World winning, but I, I was very happy that it, it won. It, like you said, it was the lock of all locks. I think mm-hmm. for for the night, maybe tied up there with like Ariana DeBose for the most sure thing. But uh, I would have been perfectly happy with either of them winning, but still was very happy with Drive My Car. Yeah. Rachel, did you have any particular ones you were happy about? Not, not really, if I'm completely honest. I'm just like I'm looking <laughs> at the list right now, and I'm just like. It's just, you know, something I think that was said at the very top of the show, which is there were no surprises. Like yeah. it's ev- everything that every favorite to win won. Yeah. And I like maybe my one disappointment is that Flea didn't win, win anything. Best documentary. Yeah. yeah, they didn't take anything. And I yeah. think the only one that they really could have was documentary. But um, no, I predicted I mean, that on Twitter when we were talking last week. I predicted that three yeah, nominations were going to water down its chances in each category. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. you know. Other than that, like, and nothing of it I'm, like, overly happy about. Like, not to say I'm not happy for the people who won. Like, yeah. I, I like that Dune took the technical awards and yet had no director award. And I like that the person who won for director, their movie n- won nothing else. Like, I think that's funny. So that's 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 my recap on the winners. <laughs> I also think it's really cool that a woman won Best Director. And, like, it's still a big deal, but it's not nearly as big a deal as it was. You know, like, I like that it's becoming more normal for a woman to win Best Director. Um, just because, you know, hopefully that means better things in the future. And I was very happy the Queen of Basketball won for Documentary Short because mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that film. And they don't always pick my favorite in the short categories. 
So I thought, yeah, that was a good one too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to say like the long goodbye when the live action short yeah. and from what I saw on Twitter was Riz Ahmed gave a really, really nice speech, but um, we don't know what it is. We, we only saw a very short version of it. And uh, I saw someone say that like they released transcripts of the speeches on their website, but the Academy only put what was on the telecast in the trend. Like they didn't even actually give them the full transcript, but I, I apparently it was a great speech. So I'm sure that, well, they do put the transcripts on there, it. but they take their time updating all of that stuff. So I'm sure at some mm-hmm. point they will also have the full I speeches so. on their YouTube channel as well. They're just not up to the minute with that stuff yeah. in my experience. Um, I didn't I like that so. short I mean, film yeah. though. I didn't think it deserved to win anything, but, um, but you know, <laughs> good for him. I like Riz Ahmed. A big fan. Well, I love him. I just didn't like that film. Yeah. I'm on the same page as you there, Bill. I, I watched the live action short and I kind of had a feeling it was going to win because you can, the Oscars for this category usually go with an English language one. And there was only a couple of them that were English. So it, it sort of eliminated a few. Yeah. And it was just, it was just very preachy and I appreciate yeah. what he was going for. And the first half of it, I thought was very interesting. And then the final scene where he's giving this rap monologue, I thought just really didn't work for me. Yeah. And also it's just um, like, I fully believe that in real life, there are people wanting to mobilize to, you know, to kill members of minorities, <laughs> but somehow putting it in a film didn't make it convincing to me for some reason. Um, but yeah, with live were, action short, they always, yeah, live action short, they, they never go with like the movie that I find the most subtle or profound. They almost always go for they, they pick the movie where they, it's based on what it's about versus how it's actually executed, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought Take and Run was probably going to win because right. I thought it was, one, very beautifully shot, and two, had a very interesting message that I think wasn't really talked about. It's about um, women uh, forced from, child marriage, right? Yeah, yeah. from uh, from Kyrgyzstan. And so it was, it was a very interesting one and I thought it was the, the best overall, but uh, I feel like we're, we're kind of getting into the weeds here of describing <laughs> the plots of short films that yep. I'm sure most people <laughs> haven't Everyone is tuning of. in for, yes, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I was a bit surprised that uh, Summer of Soul beat Flea for documentary. I, mm-hmm. I did kind of predict that, but I also thought it could go either way but i think you were right about maybe it being watered down by being in three different categories and people being like oh yeah it's not going to win international so you know what i'm going to put my vote for anime and people being like no it's not going to win for anime i'm going to put my vote for documentary and so forth and kind of much like i'm sure while troy kotzer was the front runner for best supporting actor i i can't imagine it didn't help his case that Smith McPhee and Plemons being in the same category. I don't think Plemons got a lot of votes, but I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe siphoned a few votes. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I also give major um, just love and affection to the documentary winners because they had to get up and give a speech <laughs> right after yeah, the mom- the worst moment of the evening. And like, you know, it really sullied the air for this great moment for Questlove and for his, um, his colleagues and, you know, good for them for just like getting up and giving a great speech and, and not, you know, and just soldiering on basically. Um, because I, I was, as soon as that nut category came up and they were reading off the nominees, I'm like, Oh God, I feel sorry for anyone who's going to have to win right now. And there is some irony, like summer of soul was meant to be like the rediscovery of a lost moment in yeah. history. And 
his speech is going to be one of those that's overshadowed by yes. something that happened just before. So <laughs> yeah, that's a bit too bad. But yeah, I felt I felt really bad for Questlove in that moment. Yeah, so it's like that's it's such a great achievement for him in his career and everything. He's ar- he's already achieved so mm-hmm. much, but like that was his time, and yeah, he didn't really get anything. Um, like he, not that he didn't get anything, but like very very much so overshadowed because even if you were paying attention it was just so awkward it felt so uncomfortable yeah um after all that i also i don't think uh cruella deserved to win best costume design but i love (laughs) jenny bevan so much and she's just an absolute veteran and i love you know that she uh is always very creative with her her styles when she comes i loved her mad max outfit last time and i don't know why people gave her crap about it um and so i was happy to see her up there again you know because she's incredible i think the last category i want to sort of talk about is once again going back to best international film and uh rasuki humaguchi basically getting this speech cut off twice, which was very awkward from the way I was watching it. It sort of seemed like he was speaking. He gave this little bit of a speech and it sort of sounded like it was a natural conclusion. He took this pause and the Academy was like, okay, I guess he's done. Start the music (laughs) up. And they started it up. And then he was like, wait, I'm not done. And then they start talking again. And then he once again did this natural conclusion point, took a pause and then tried to talk again with yeah. the music coming up yet again. It was just like this very weird, awkward situation that I feel like people are blaming the Academy maybe a bit more than thinking it was like some sort of malicious intent rather than right. someone that was just a little trigger happy on the music score. As they usually are. I mean, my favorite thing about that was that he brought up a translator that he didn't end up needing. So it just looked like <laughs> she was marking him the whole time. I was like, God, the Japanese really so are confused. tough on each other. You know, like there's such a high yeah. standard in that culture. Um, no, oh, you this forgot this person. You remembered this person. Yeah. You forgot that person. Yeah. And she's like, uh, she's like, your deportment was not correct. Um, no, you know what? This always happens with non-American winners and it's because where they come from, which is everywhere outside of America, award shows are done at a way chiller pace than they are in the yeah. States. And, you know, cause I've watched them. I've seen, you know, when I watch my parents watch Greek award shows and those things can go on all night. The Cannes Film Festival has actually had people come out on stage and tell the presenter to shut up and move on. Like, that's how relaxed everyone else (laughs) is everywhere else in the world. And so they're not used to that. And so he's like, I'm just going to take a breather between paragraphs in my speech to gather my thoughts for the next thing. Also, because I don't know how how strong his command of English is. And he doesn't realize that, like, the producers are looking for the first available opportunity to hit that button and get that orchestra back up again. So it's Mm -hmm. just it's a disaster I've seen time and time again. Yeah, whereas they probably should have played Kevin Costner off about a third of the way into his speech. Well, what was, was with his I'm a little teapot posing that he was doing? I didn't understand what he was going for with that hand on hip. Like, he looked so uncomfortable. <laughs> and him introducing his speech as uh, the first time I saw an adult movie. Yes. And I was like, oh, he means a grown up movie because I, people yes. were laughing when he said that. And I'm like, he's going to go in for a really great joke. And then what was yeah. the movie he talked about? It was like um, McCabe How the West Mrs. Was Miller. Won. Oh, right, yeah, How the West Was Won. And I was like, oh, uh, Debbie Reynolds does not go down on anyone in that movie. So it's not it's not <laughs> what he's saying it is. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you could imagine that. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine it. But do I want to pay to watch it is a different story. But he his, his thing went on for so long. I'm like, are they filling time? Like, are they actually running early? Because it doesn't feel early to me at that point in the evening. It was just weird to me that everyone else was pretty 
succinct in what in their lead-ups. And for some reason, he got to give this giant speech before presenting, you know, a very important category. But it it was and and then the posing, it just I I didn't get what was going on at all. I completely checked out with Kevin Costner's speech. I won't lie. Like I know there was that <laughs> clip. There was like a picture of Andrew Garfield on his phone during that time, and I'm like, I feel like oh, everybody God. was like that though. Like, uh, guys, I, like, I, Andrew Garfield was having the night of his life. Yeah, last he night. was. He they really, cut really to him was. killing himself at every. He was Rita Wilson for the night because it's usually her <laughs> who's always on cloud nine at award shows, and it's like Andrew Garfield was taking care of that that aspect of it. <laughs> he knew he wasn't winning, so he was just going to drink. Yeah, probably. Uh, then what, what else? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't understand why they felt the need to choose the movies that they chose to celebrate the anniversaries of. White Men Can't Jump. Is that right. something that like we're aching to see a reunion of? I, like it was nice yeah. seeing Rosie Perez out there. Sure. But, like, <laughs> I think really? they just I think they just put out feelers for who they could actually get to show up. And also weird anniversaries. It's like the 28th anniversary of Pulp Fiction. I'm like, oh, do we? Do we do 28 no now? Is that a significant yeah. anniversary? Especially since all the other ones were... Uh, 30, even 60. Years. Yeah. yeah, it was like yeah. 30, 60, and 28. 28. It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and true story, I've still never seen White Men Can't Jump. Oh, neither have I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've seen it. I think maybe a long time ago, but I barely remember. But you guys are way younger than me. Like I was in high school when that movie came out and I remember yeah. everyone around me saw it. And so that's weird that I missed it because I went to see everything back then. I don't know how I missed it, but I've been meaning to rectify that. So maybe I'll do that this week. I look forward to your review coming out down the line. Then. Thank you. You and, and three and other your people. video of your top movies of the week. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it was some very interesting choices overall, you know, they made way for all of these tributes and decided to cut a bunch of categories and add a song that wasn't nominated and then do two categories of fan votes and all these sort of decision making. Yeah. Were, it just really felt like it was a whole bunch of people in a boardroom being like, okay, we have to figure out how to cut time, but also how are we going to get the kids involved? I know let's bring in Tony Hawk and Kelly Slater. Oh, so awkward. The kids that love was them, right? The captain of awkward that moment, because that like, was very weird. Yeah. The bending over they did to justify why they were there to present the bond retrospective. That's what it was, right? Yeah. Was insane. Yes. And also they did a tribute to bond at the 50th anniversary of bond 10 years ago. And Halle Berry introduced it and it was stunning and it was perfect. And it was, beautiful because skyfall also won that night so it's like we've done this we don't need to do it again bond doesn't need a 60th anniversary save it for 75 or don't do it again because james bond Mm -hmm. is a british franchise who up until skyfall was never nominated like they got a total of like five nominations for the entire franchise before skyfall so it's not like it was something that had a long history at the academy awards so why are you even making a big deal about this i was shocked to learn that no time to die was the sixth nomination for yes. song. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it sort of feels like, in my memory, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a new Bond movie out. That song's going to get nominated no. for Best Original Song. Common Misconception. It just sort of is yeah. similar. It's just, the yeah, first it's just a recency thing. nominated Bond song was Live and Let Die, which is 10 years into the franchise. And the second one was The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. And the third was For Your Eyes Only. And it never happened again until Skyfall. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And then they've won three I times pers- in a row. I didn't mind the 60th for Bond, maybe because I like the Bond franchise, but I also like Daniel Craig was, he was finishing his bit. I think if he wasn't done, mm-hmm. then it would look weird. But the fact that he was like, he had just finished his last movie and his turn in the franchise. Like, I like that 
kind of was like, okay, the, it's going to go away for a few years. That's what they say anyways. Right. The weird thing I thought was you guys say like, you know, why the hell were Tony Hawk and Kelly Slater and Sean White presenting it? Thank you for like, remembering their names. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Javier Bardem and Judy Dench were right there. Yep. They were in the crowd. Like you could have just asked them to come up and, and do yep. it because otherwise they didn't do anything other than Billie lose Eilish their was there too. Like, yeah, or, or like I'm pretty confident if you had asked Daniel Craig to come, I don't think he would have said no. And Halle Berry has nothing better to do, I guarantee you that. Um, <laughs> no, and and also to clarify, like I'm with you, Rachel, in that I'm, the Bond franchise is like my favorite thing in the whole world. I love, love, love James Bond. And it's not even that I minded it. It's just that given that there was too much happening in the show and like you yeah, already have a yeah. Godfather anniversary tribute, <laughs> you don't also need the Bond thing. Especially because you, you're taking out eight categories to save time, and this is how you're yes. doing it. Like it is, it is very, very strange. Yeah. yeah. I thought when they said that they were taking out eight categories, that they were going to make this as no frills of an episode as possible of, of a show where exactly. they're like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna limit the uh, I know we're gonna limit the the montages, we're gonna limit the long winded speeches, mm-hmm. we're gonna limit the moratorium sort of stuff." And no, they just jam packed no. more stuff than normally. Yeah. Which made Instead, no we got sense. ten minutes of Wanda Sykes wandering around the We Hate Debbie Reynolds oh Museum God. with the guy from Grace and Frank. Frankie pretending to be the museum curator. <laughs> oh, so bad. You mentioned though the in memoriam. I mean, that was longer than usual. I really didn't like the in memoriam because I always felt like they used to do it in a way that it never prioritized one person over another. Yeah. Because it's mm. quite tasteless to say we're going to focus on You're one person's death yeah. and yeah. not another. Yeah. And then, but this year they were like, we're going to have like it's touching and it's sweet. I get it, yeah. but. You know, you you do this long spiel about Billy or Billy about Betty White, and then right after that, like Jean Marc Vallée came up pretty quickly after, and that one I remember being like, oh Jean Marc Vallée. Then his name comes and goes really quickly, yeah. and it just feels in comparison like they were prioritizing who was more important like whose death meant more to the industry and i think that that was very tasteless well they've done it a couple times in the past like when Catherine hepburn died julia roberts actually mm-hmm. came in out and said something about her before they went into the full in memoriam but the thing that i found weird about it last night is that you know they always get criticized for leaving people out and when they are reached out about re- reached <laughs> out to about it they always say well it's because that person's career wasn't mainly in movies and I think also yeah. the the person has to in the past the person had to be an academy member in order to be included in the in memoriam. So it's like last night they were really anxious to make sure there was no criticism because Betty White didn't make a feature film until like 1998 or something like her her career was a television career. That's what she was famous for. Mm-hmm. She was never a feature film actress. Uh, so if I, I found it interesting that they were including people like her because they were like, please nobody complain about this. Like we'll put anyone who's anyone's ever heard of they're going to be in the in memoriam. You know, and with a, with a puppy like, on stage. Yeah. And then they did like, it wrapped it up in a really nice bow at the very end being like, for more information, go to this URL. If you want to see the other people who weren't included on right. our list, which I was like, the less important people. That's hilarious <laughs> that you're putting up a URL to be like, go watch, go, go click here for more. Well, like, wow. if anyone ever watched the show feud, one of the greatest moments is at the end when they show Joan Crawford in the in memoriam at the 1978 Oscars. And someone says, Oh, two seconds. That's all she gets. And Betty Davis says, that's all any of us will get. And that's all you need to know about that. (laughs) That's it. Christ. 50 years in show business. And they give her two seconds. That's all any of us will get. 
All right. Well, I feel like we're we're coming close to exhausting talking about this show. Do do either of you have any last sort of things we want to touch on here? Just tell me what you guys thought of Jessica Chastain winning because that was the hardest category to predict this year. That was the only one where no one had a lock until she was pushing further ahead in the last like two weeks before the show. So I'm curious to know what you guys thought because I know I, as far as I know, neither of you liked that film, regardless of how you felt about that, is that performance. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, that category was none of them. Like, I think Penelope Cruz is the only one that I really liked that I was like, yeah. I, I would have liked her to win. So the fact that she was the most, like she was the least likely to win kind of took me out of that category. But I think it was fine i suppose i mean you made that joke because everyone kept on the twitter spaces last week was saying everyone's like it's like a career uh, thing for jessica chastain you know like <laughs> giving it from and then you were like what are you got like what career are yeah. we talking about and here? i say that as someone who likes her like i do like her but yeah. she's not someone but, who's but been right. toiling at the top of her profession for years unacknowledged and it's like how yeah. could they not have given her an oscar until now like and i think amy adams is the best example of of like someone around that age where mm-hmm. it's like how have they not gotten um one nominated nearly enough that also like she's just never won yeah. whereas jessica chastain i don't feel that same pull for her like i was like oh like she's been so like just un just unacknowledged all these years so i don't know i'm i'm very kind of blase about jessica chastain winning like she was fine in it but mm-hmm. it's it's i don't want to say it's an easy role because i've never acted before but it just seemed like there's a lot to work with when you're doing an impression of somebody and with all the makeup and the prosthetics yeah, yeah. and all that stuff, um, you know, but she was, I mean, she's fine in it. The movie was not great, but you know, she's fine, I guess. Yeah. She is very lovable in that film. And Jessica Chastain at her best is rarely lovable. Like I've never wanted to give her a hug before. And that was something <laughs> that really impressed me. Uh, but I, I feel the same way. It's also, it's kind of a very Oscar-y choice, right? Like it's a biopic yeah. and she puts on makeup and she does an accent. Um, and she, Daniel Krolik pointed this out on RBGM pre-Oscar show, which I thought was very appropriate, which is that, you know, it takes a, it takes a disaster to play a disaster. And Jessica Chastain has a very put together common sense um, vibe about her. That isn't a good mix with Tammy Faye, who always seemed like she was about to fall apart. And um, mm-hmm. so I could, I could totally see that, but I, I did enjoy that performance. But my thing was that like nobody in that category really needed it. You know, you had three previous winners and and then again i wasn't that sold on Kristen stewart and i was like fine give it to give it to someone who's never won before because you know my favorite performance wasn't nominated anyway so who cares yeah i i i'm sort of in the same boat as the two of you there i didn't like the film i i really wanted either cruz or or stewart to win and i knew that wasn't happening so i i it was hard to be excited overall this the, the crop of nominees that they chose for this category i thought was pretty weak yeah i'm not a fan of the biopics that take an entire life story and condense it into two hours i really hate that because you don't really get a picture of someone you just sort of get the you know the the highlight real moment of their ups and their downs yes. and, and no real nuance which is why i like something like spencer where it was about a single uh, moment in her life where they can kind of deconstruct that but other than that yeah i, I wasn't very excited i i 
going into it the last few weeks, I wasn't sure who was going to win. And then it sort of seemed like Chastain became the front runner. So I was just like, I don't know, I guess Chastain's winning it. I guess I'll yeah. just become okay with it. <laughs> but it's funny, you know, a decade ago, if you would have asked me who needs to have an Oscar, I was like Jessica Chastain. She was one of my favorite performers at that time, was just doing hit after hit. And then she's kind of gone the Amy Adams route of the last few years of just sort of chasing Oscar Beatty movies. Right. And this kind of is like a similar vein to that where just like you're just picking these melodramatic overwrought films that are trying to tug on our heartstrings and don't really have much of a connection to the general public. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, I like that about Spencer as well. Like I, I'm with you about not liking birth to death biopics. Um, I just felt Jackie did it better than Spencer did. I like that movie more. That's fair. I, yeah. I agree. I think I think Jackie was better too. Yeah. Yes. And I love Kristen Stewart Pablo as well. Lorraine like has I, a lane. And I want Kristen Stewart to get nominated every year, no matter what she does. I just for some reason this was not there's something about it that wasn't a great fit for me. Or maybe I'm just sick of everything being about Diana for the last two years. And so it's like this yeah. movie had no I know I understand that it's not a, a it's not a biographical film. It's sort of an emotional interpretation of her life, but it still had no insight to offer me that I wasn't already um onto. And so uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good film, but I, I, I wasn't blown away by anything about it other than the costumes. I thought they should have been nominated for the clothing in that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a real snub yeah, for me too. Agreed. Yeah. Because the costumes are a character in that film. They're not just, it's that, that those categories shouldn't just be about what's pretty. It should be about like contribution to the world of the film and the narrative. And like, that's, yes. a, that's as good an example of that as I can think of. And there's quite literally an entire segment of just her <laughs> wearing different dresses. That's right. Like, yeah. yeah. They're showcasing the costumes so much in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> and they nominated the queen for best costume design for these skillful mm-hmm. recreations of her, uh, you know, lovely floral outfits. Yeah. So it's interesting that <laughs> it didn't make the cut this time. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a sort of a good place to sort of wrap up on bill. Thank you so much for coming on today. Where can people find you if they want to find more of your work? And is there anything you want to plug? Um, no, <laughs> I was hoping there was, but no, no. Uh, yes, no, of course there is. Thank you for having me on. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for letting me ramble, uh, both of you. And, uh, I'm, I love being on this show. So, um, please have me back because I need to be liked and I can be found at myoldaddiction.com uh, for my blogging. And then yes, I do my weekly top three movies of the week of things that I've watched because of course, like all of us in lockdown for the last, I don't know, 300 years, um, I've had plenty of time, although, you know, having time enough to watch six movies a day turns out not to be the dream come true that I thought it was going to be. And, um, so you can find that on Instagram or on YouTube. And then my podcast, as you mentioned, is uh, bad gay movies, which can be found anywhere. The podcast can be found, including on Spotify. Excellent. Well, that is a lot. I'll make sure people can find all that in the show notes. Rachel, where can listeners find more of your work too? I go to rachelkh.com or Twitter underscore rachelkh. And we'll leave Anything it Anything in particular you want to plug there? Um, trying to think. Oh, that shelf. I forgot to say that shelf. Say that oh, shelf. Oh, yeah, Rachel. that shelf. That shelf. <laughs> go, go to thatshelf.com the for Criterion all shelf, yeah. excellent columns, including one about the Criterion channel, mm-hmm. which uh, is a monthly column. And um, looks at the different shelves <laughs> on that shelf. That's yeah, great. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. The, the very um, literal shelf. Yeah. yeah, it's a criterion shelf. 
Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think, what do I have? I think I've got a review of everything everywhere all at once coming to exclaim soon. Um, that's probably the newest thing that I'll have. That's about it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. You can follow this show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoom Pod. And uh, if you like or dislike what we had to say about the Oscars, let us know. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Don't Thank let us know. We don't want to know. For the theme music. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, I just say that. And uh, special thanks to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we do post all episodes there as well. Thanks for checking us out. Mm-hmm.